So what's going on, everyone? How are you today? Good? Awesome. I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited to share this word with you before we dive into that. That series that you guys just saw kicks off next week, and it's one of the favorite series that we do in this church. We take some of the songs that you hear on the radio, and after we present it to you uh, over the next four weeks, starting next week, you'll never listen to those songs the same way again. It's a great opportunity to invite your friends and your family. We have invites for you on your way out if you want to do that, but I can't wait for that to start next Next week. Now, this week we are in the third and final installment in a series called Multiply, where we've been talking about God's favorite kind of math. He really does want to multiply the blessings that we have in our life. It's not always financial, sometimes it is, but he wants to, to take what we have, and as we honor him with it first, he will do more than we can ask or imagine. And so week one, we talked about tithing. And that was a straight up kind of tithing message. Uh, I'm not talking about that again today, but if you are dying to hear a message on tithing, which you probably aren't, but if you are, it's there on the app, it's there online, you can go back and listen to it. Last week, we talked about multiplying what matters the most. And we believe, uh, like, like Jesus said, that true riches really are people. And that our goal is to use everything that we have in such a way that makes a kingdom impact that sees more and more people get to heaven. Amen. That's really the goal. And so we talked about multiplying what matters most. And this week we're going to talk about what's kind of shifting. And I'll tell you about that in a moment. But we bring you messages around our finances. We bring you messages around generosity. One, because God's word has a lot to say about it. But really, a couple different reasons is that this time of year, our generosity efforts kind of ramp up. I mean, we're headed into Christmas, right? We're headed into Thanksgiving. Our heart as a church is to be known as a generous church in our community. And because of that, man, I'm super excited to tell you guys about an event that we're starting on uh, having for the first time ever on December 1st. And that is we are going to do a big give. Now, what that means is that we are opening these doors on a Saturday and we're gonna give away hopefully 600 plus coats to people who need it the most. How awesome is that? Like, if you're between the ages of zero and 18 years old, we wanna be able to supply people in our community with warm weather or warm coats for the winter. And so we're gonna have opportunities for you to be a part of that day. Uh, we're not asking anything from you on that day except to serve and come, hang out with families, show them around and help them kind of find the coat that they need. But what I would love for you to be a part of is also, we want those families to go home with groceries. Therefore, we have these bags available if you wanna grab one on your way out. You don't have to, no obligation to do it. But if you want to grab a bag and fill it up with the supplies that's stapled to it, it's going to cost you about $10 or so to do that. Bring them back over the next couple of weeks. And on that day, not only are we going to give out coats and really toys for a lot of these kids, but also groceries for the family as well. You can find out more information about that on the app or online, but I can't wait for that day. It's going to be a fun day to spread some desperately needed love and hope in our community. We're calling it our big gift. So that's one of the reasons that we talk about generosity during this time of year. Another one uh, is because if you're like me, it's leading into the Christmas season that we have the potential to overspend. 
We have the potential to get it wrong. We have the potential really to fall into some, some pits. And so my, my hope is today is to help us avoid, give us some godly principles that will help us avoid some of those pitfalls that we fall into during this time of year, like overspending and, and kind of falling into a black hole. Uh, and so to do that, if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Haggai. Come on, I got some Haggai for you today. It's hard to find a little love in Haggai, but we're going to do that if you have your Bibles. It's going to be up here on the screen too. Uh, but verse 1 says this. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. In other words, if you're going to fix anything, we know this. We've talked about this. It begins with our thinking. And I would say if you don't like what you're getting, you don't like the results that, that you are experiencing in your life, in any area, you should look at the framework that you're using. You should look at the structure, the principles that you are using. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to it because you've planted much. And let's see if this sounds familiar to anyone in the room. You've planted much but harvested a little. Like you're working hard. You're, you're, you're trying to, to get it out there. You're trying. It's just, not, it's just not working. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not ever warm. And I love this line. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Come on, right? Doesn't it feel that way? Like as fast as it's coming in, it's going out. It's not going, uh, it's not doing what you thought it would. And so he says this again. So give careful thought to your ways. If any of that sounds familiar, if you see your life um, kind of being frustrated, maybe you're spinning out of control, maybe it's because we need to give careful thought. Maybe we need to address the way that we think about this. Now, the goal was to talk about the dangers of, of debt uh, today, and I was going to bring you a message on that alone. However, it's transitioned a little bit. Uh, not all debt is bad. A lot of it, most of it is bad. But for a lot of us, we've gotten into that cycle, that scarcity cycle we talked about week one, that debt cycle in our life. In fact, one of my pet peeves with the church and with uh, pastors, my profession really is we'll, we'll talk a lot about what we want from people. We'll say, you know, do more, do more, serve more, give more, all that kind of stuff without showing you how to do it. Like, like I, I think it's not enough for us to say you should do something without giving you the tools, right, in order to see it completed. I, I don't think people are stingy. I really don't. I think people are strapped, and I think we find ourselves in difficult seasons. So don't bring me a word on what I need to do, Colby. You know, tell me how I need to get out of it. So this word today is not just about your money. And I'll tell you why uh, in a few moments. But this is about hope. This is about freedom. We're going to talk about multiplying your hope. And I'm not talking about just in your finances. That's a part of it. But really finding freedom in every part of your Life, Because as you know, uh, finance is a big deal in God's word. Five times uh, it talks more about money than, than it does about heaven or hell. Uh, it talks more about uh, Jesus, half, almost half of the parables he told have to do with this subject. And people say, Colby, why do you think that is? Um, Billy Graham said that if you can figure out how to fix your money, if you can figure out how to get this right, how to honor God with this first, it helps straighten out everything else in your life. And so I believe that. And I think God understood that about that about us. So that's why it says so much about it. And again, today the hope was to bring you a message on debt, but God kind of threw a curveball into this message today. But when you think about the area of debt, 
Uh, a lot of that is born out of the fact that I think we just have some bad thinking. Not only do we have bad thinking about our money, about finances, but we have some bad modeling as well. If you look at our own government, right? I mean, like they're not the best at handling money. We're at $22 trillion, you know, uh, of a deficit right now. And so they, they spend that way and then they think it's never going to impact them. And so a lot of us, we do the same thing. We, we spend away. We spend more than we make. We live beyond our means. And we have this idea that it's not going to matter. But I'm here to tell you, someday it will. Someday will come. There's going to be a day of reckoning, right, where it's going to cost us dearly. And I believe God wants us to avoid that. God wants to help us find some freedom in that. Some of you are old enough to remember you are, are seasoned people. That's, that's a nice way of saying you're older. Uh, to remember, like me, like me. The, a time where it used to be that if you wanted to buy something, but you didn't have enough money for it, say you went to a store and say, hey, I wanna, I'm going to pick out this washing machine or whatever it is, but I can't pay for it now. So you'd give the manager, you'd give whoever like 100 bucks. They would take that item. They would put it in the back, right? And they would box it back up. They'd keep it back there for you. And then every month you might pay a little more on it. Give them another 100 bucks. Give them another 50 bucks or whatever it was until you could pay that thing off. And once you've paid it off, then you could bring it home. Does anybody know what that's called? It's called layaway, right? And I know there's still kind of a semblance of it out there today. And the young people are like, layaway? What's a layaway? Um, why not just bring it home now? Why not just put it on your credit card and, and bring that thing home right now? Well, here's the thing. If you did it that way, the problem is if you put it on layaway, once you paid it off and you brought it home, it was brand new. Right? I mean, it had never been used. You just kind of pull it back out of the box. It's brand spanking new. Today, when you finally pay off whatever it is that you brought home and put on your credit card, it's broken or it's gone. It's in the basement. You gave it away. You can't even find it anymore, and you're still paying on it. That's what consumer debt is, really, is paying on something, and you don't even have that something anymore. And I think those are some of the areas that God wants us to avoid. He wants us to be free. And as I was thinking through that and how we climb out of that, I met with a couple this week, and they were going through um, a desperate situation, and it wasn't financial, uh, it was marital, it was, it was family. And when we were talking about them, how they got into that situation, how they got into that mess, which, by the way, you always have to know how you got in there in order to know how to get out of it, I realized something, it's the same process. Like how we get out of those messes, those desperate situations, those financial pits that we find ourselves in, it's all the same process. And so today, this message really is not just about your money, but this is also about, about life, about how we climb out of, you know, the mess or the pit that we find ourselves in because the answers are really the same. All of us find ourselves at some point in our life, and maybe you're here today and your finances are fine, but there's something else in your life that is, is a desperate situation. Or maybe you're here today and you're sitting here and you're thinking, Colby, I'm good on, on both fronts. My money's good. My relationships are good. My marriage is good. Can I just encourage you to take notes anyway? Because a day is coming. Like, we all have that day. You don't necessarily see it. You can't always plan for it. But a day is coming where you're going to need this. When you're going to need, how do I get out of this mess that I've made, all right? That day will happen. Some of you are like, Colby, why can't you be more positive? I'm positive that day is coming, all right? So take notes. <laughs> Jot this down. Keep this in your back pocket. Pull it out 
when you need it. And I want to deliver this message through the vehicle of the familiar story uh, that many of you have heard. It's the story of the prodigal son. Uh, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, which I recognize that's, that's some of the people in this room, and that's great. We love it that you're here. Kick the tires. Check this whole church thing out, what, what this means. But you've probably heard of the story of the prodigal son. Here's how it goes. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 says, there was a man who had two boys. The younger said to the father, dad, I wish you were dead. I want your stuff. Like, I can't get your stuff. I can't get your inheritance. I can't get my portion of it until you die. And I'm going to have to sit around here and wait, but I want you to go ahead and be dead. I say it that way to show you the arrogance of this request. Because this is not something that, that happened, and the people listening to Jesus tell the story would have kind of been in awe when they heard that. You know, go ahead and give me my stuff now. Dad, I don't care anything about you. He said, give me my share of the estate. So the dad did what he wasn't supposed to do, uh, but he did it to teach his son that what he wanted wasn't really going to make him happy. And a lot of times we're going after something, we're seeking after something, and God's saying, hey, hey, what you think you want is not what you need. I know what's going to bring ultimate joy to your life. He says this, he divided his property between the two boys. Not long after that, the young son got all his stuff together, all that he had, took the money, and set out for a distant country. And he did what a lot of us do, and I don't think he intended to do it. I don't think he intended to find himself in a desperate situation. I don't think many of us, when we make decisions, intend to find ourselves in desperate situations. But it's been said, you make choices, and then your choices make you. And this is what happened to him. He squandered it. All his possessions, all his wealth, and wild living. And after he had spent everything, watch this, there was a famine. This is always going to happen. This is a, a, a natural law, right? It dictates your enemy will make sure that there's going to be a day that you're going to follow something and the choices that you make are going to end up in destruction. There's going to be a famine in the land. And a lot of times people will come and ask me to sit down with them and pray for them. Colby, I did this, I did this, I did this. Pray that, that this doesn't happen. Pray that it doesn't go bad. Pray that it doesn't, you know, get to that point. And honestly... A lot of times I think God uses it. Like a lot of times we want to push back and we don't want to suffer the consequences of our choices that we make, but God uses it. God will use a famine in our life to drive us to his favor. God will use those moments of scarcity to drive us to his supply that he has for us. So I'm not totally against those moments in our life where we're finding ourselves hurt or in tough situations. I don't want people to, you know, die. I don't want people to get, you know, lose everything over it. But I'm not totally against those moments that drive us closer and closer to God. Because in some way, when you go through a desperate time like that, you realize nothing can answer that but God. And you come back. And you come running back. That's what this story is all about. In fact, you know when the church grew the most in history? During persecution. Like that's when it grew the most. Persecution will drive us to, to devotion. Like right now, the, the, the church in Asia, the church in China is blowing up, and it's an underground church, and the reason it's blowing up is because they're being persecuted. They're being pushed more and more underground. And so it'll drive us to devotion. Now, here's the warning, though, to this message. Don't let it get to that point. 
That's my addendum. You don't have to always do life the hard way, right? This is to help us avoid some of those pitfalls in our life. That's the reason why we're talking about to save some of us from the things that we can control, to save some of us from that day. Because he says, there was a famine, that day came in the country, and he began to be in need. So he hired himself out to a citizen of that country. He tried the, the cultural solution, right, before he tried the biblical one. And the citizen of that country sent him to the field to feed pigs. Now, everything the devil has to offer you, you can try it if you like, but ultimately it's going to wind you up in a pig pen every single time. And I get it. We've all, you know, wanted to try things that we knew weren't right. And every single time, right, it's got us into bad situations. But here's the, the beautiful part of this. God always welcomes you back. You are always welcome here. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you think you've gone. You're always welcome back. It says he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, if you look at this story and you see how he got into that mess, it's the same mess that we end up in. It's the same way we get ourselves into a mess uh, maritally, morally, emotionally, even especially financially. It always follows the same progression. And I want to give it to you so you can write it down. The first is we fall for a lie. That's where it starts. We fall for a lie. We, we, we buy into something that's not true. And I want you to hear me on, on this. Your enemy, Satan, he's got only one weapon in his arsenal. You know what it is? He's a liar. He's a liar, and he's the, the father of lies. He will try to convince you something that isn't true, that's a lie. So ladies, he'll whisper in your ear, hey, your man, he's not as good as that man. The man you got, he's not as good as that man. The man you got, you know, the other man, he's got a six-pack. Your man's got a keg. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he'll try to whisper in your ear. Or, or that man, oh, he's all about fitness. Your man, he's all about fitness donut in his mouth. That's what your man's about. <laughs> And he'll lie to you and try to convince you grass is greener on the other side. Guys, he does the same for you. Hey, she's prettier than, than your wife. You know, she, she'd be more fun. She'd be whatever. Then he'll try to convince you that the grass is greener. He is a liar. He is the father of lies. And if the grass looks greener, it's because the water bill is a whole heck of a lot higher. He didn't tell you that part. He didn't tell you that it will cost you something. When we buy into the lie, when we believe the lie, I promise you, it's going to, to cost us. And I think there are a few different myths and lies uh, as it relates to our money. There's a whole lot of bad thinking out there, and I think it's, it's growing, in fact. But we believe some lies about money that are reflected in the survey I found called The Day America Told the Truth. And they did this survey, and they asked the question of people, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? What would you be willing to do for 10 million bucks? This is how people responded. 25% of the people said they would abandon their entire family for 10 million bucks. See you suckers later. I'm out of here, right? 25%. Which, which, by the way, that you could say that, but at the end of your life, nobody believes that. As you're lying on your deathbed, you never think back, oh, I wish I made more money or I wish I could have done this or I wish I you know, just had another dollar. People always say, I wish I had more time with my family. So 25% of the people said that they would abandon their family. 23% of the people said they would become a prostitute for a week for 10 million bucks. 
16% said they would give up American citizenship for 10 million bucks. Oh, Canada. <laughs> right? 10% said, watch this, they would withhold testimony allowing a murderer to go free for 10 million bucks. 7% said that they would kill a stranger for 10 million bucks. Just, I'll take him out. 3% said that they would give up their children for adoption. Some of you are like, I'll do that for free. Like, you don't even know. <laughs> and that's sad, and I'm, I'm kidding about that. But I think that survey shows a little bit about how we feel about money. Shows a little bit about what we think is important, and it's a lie. And your spiritual enemy will lie to you. And you know what this ultimately points to? Uh, if you dig down into the root causes of it, secularly or, or biblically, it all points to the same thing ultimately. You know what it is? Selfishness. We are self-absorbed. In fact, it's a nasty little word that the Bible calls pride. And anytime you make a bad decision in your life or a bad choice in your life, it always goes back to a seed of pride. And it looked like this. Something inside of you told you, you deserve that. You need that. You, you should have that. You, you deserve that. You, you know, you, you shouldn't be without that. It's pride. It's a seed of pride. And Proverbs 16, 18 says this way, pride always goes before destruction, always. And a haughty spirit goes before a fall. And so the reason why we're talking about this is to prevent you from falling. I mean, that's, that's really the goal. I believe that um, if we can continue or if we start in some cases to reverse that verse and pull, instead of living you know, with pride, living with humility, living a life of, of simplicity, of, of contentment, then I don't think there's anything the devil can do to lure you into something because you're already content. If you're grateful for what you have, you're not out there lusting for more. You're not out there looking for something more. But the devil, he wants to lie to you and pride always goes before destruction. A haughty spirit goes before a fall. And I'm telling you, if you don't want to live a life uh, where you're falling, where it's destroyed, live a life of humility. People have asked me from time to time, Colby, you know, how do you do it? I'm like, how do I do what? And they're, they're like, you know, the church is growing. It's amazing. You know, how, how, do, you, how do you handle it all? And the, first of all, my response to that is, I know me. I know me better than you know me. None of this is about me. Like, I believe that if I just stay low, if I just stay humble, somebody said that a man on his face cannot fall from that position. Like, this has nothing to do with me. I didn't earn this. I don't deserve this. I shouldn't. God could have used anybody. We have a sign right back here backstage before you come on the stage. It says that um, it is an honor to be on this platform. Thank you, God, for choosing me. Amen. He could have chose anybody. And so I just think we just stay as low as we can get. And we don't ever see ourselves that way. In fact, here's, here's what I'll say about that. Anytime somebody makes a big mistake or something bad happens, you always hear about it after the fact. Like you, you never see it happening in the moment. You always hear about it after whatever happened was already done, right? But what you can't hide is pride. You can't hide that. You can spot that. And I tell my staff, if you ever see any semblance of that kind of start to rise up in me, you have the permission to get up in my face because of that verse. Pride goes before destruction. 
A haughty spirit goes before the fall, the fall. And if we let that prideful kind of seed, that prideful spirit play itself out, uh, it ends up happening, we we fall into the second thing, and that is we self-destruct. Some of you know this. Some of you have been there. We believe a lie, we buy into the lie, and then ultimately we self-destruct, and we end up in places that we don't want to be in. And again, I give you this because it doesn't have to be that way, and I think a lot of it has to do with discipline. Like, I'm convinced that if you will stay in God's word, that if you, will, if you will pray, if you will come to church, if you will seek him first, if you will prioritize him in your life, then you can avoid a lot of this self-destruction. But when you let it go, and you have this mismanaged, unmanaged life, a, a mismanaged life will lead you to self-destruct. Colby, how do I know if I'm there? You say things like, um, well, this is always the way it's gonna be. Or, or pride starts to seep up and you're like, well, you know, I deserve this. You start to justify it, even make excuses for it by saying, you know, I'm not hurting anyone. This is just my deal. I'm just spending a little time online. I'm just doing, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. And you start to justify that behavior. Colby, what harm could it do? It's not that bad. Well, the Bible comes along in Proverbs 14, 12 and says, there's a way that looks harmless, but look again, it leads straight to hell. Not my words. So we have to be careful when that seed of pride starts to, like, grow. And we can ultimately uh, be led into self-destruction. And again, the reason why I bring you this, I think if we can help to to simply put some structure, some disciplines back into our, our life, we, in humility, go back and start to prioritize and organize our, our lives, it will put the pieces back together. But if we don't, Here's where it leads to next. We isolate ourselves. We fall for the lie. Pride develops. There's the seed. We self-destruct, and then we isolate ourselves. A lot of times because of shame. A lot of times because of guilt. A lot of times because of where we find ourselves, whether it's in a, a debt kind of trap or if it's in you know, marriage issues or it's things that we're trying to hide, but we isolate ourselves and we step away from God. In fact, the first Step away from God is a step away from the people of God. And you start to see people pulling back and people isolating themselves, putting on a mask, refusing to deal with it. And every single person in this room, including myself, we all have masks. We all have areas in our life that from time to time we, we don't want to talk about. We, we don't want people to know what's going on. Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. And so if you ignore this stage and you live in isolation, you end up in the very thing that I'm trying to help you avoid. I think my job as a pastor is to help you find freedom in every area of your life. In fact, if you keep coming to this church, you're going to hear message after message after message after message about finding freedom, about discovering the life that God has for you. I'm never going to ask anything from you. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't want anything from you. I want something for you, and that is for you to ultimately find freedom in every area of your life. That's the journey. That's, that's the goal. Finances, your, your marriage, relationships, addictions, whatever it is, because I'm telling you, it's a trap. And here's how some of you feel. Psalm 88, you have made my friends to loathe me. Everyone out there is, is hating me, and they've gone away, but here I am in a trap with no way out. I'm dedicating this message to everyone who feels this way. Emotionally, um, maritally, 
spiritually, financially, if you feel like there's no way out, that you are stuck, I want you to know it's not true. And this is what God's word says in Psalm 34, 18, that the Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He's, he's near to those, he sees those who have lost all hope. Maybe you walk through these doors today and you feel like all hope is gone, but you should know something. When you're in a desperate situation, it gets God's attention. That God, God knows. I have four boys and I'm always close to my boys. I'm closer when they're hurt. You ever notice that about your kids when they hurt themselves or when they feel like they've disappointed you? Like, Dad, you must be so disappointed in me. Don't you feel closer to them because you know it's in that moment that they need you more than ever, right, in that season? I'm here to tell somebody who feels like you're too far gone, things have gotten too bad, that you are never too far gone, that God will will help you in those moments if you cry out to him. The couple that I was talking to, yeah. The couple I was talking to, this is his words exactly. He said, um, Colby, I feel like uh, I'm too far gone. You don't know how bad I've messed up. I'm past the point of no return. There is no such thing as a point of no return for a God who can raise the dead, right? You know what I'm saying? It's never too late. And for some of you that feel like maybe you're dying or something has died, I believe that God wants to breathe new life back into it. But we have to recognize that the process for us getting into that mess Also, there's a process for us getting out of it. And this is what the prodigal son learned. Luke 15, 17, I want to give this to you. It says, when he came to his senses, he came to his senses, when he finally woke up, this is a wake-up call for some of us in this room. I'm convinced I can just read God's word and bring truth, and it will make an impact in your life. It doesn't matter necessarily what I say at all. I believe that, that God will will use this, and the rest of that will work itself out. He said this, how many of my dad's hired men, workers for my dad, have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? And so he came up with a plan. He said, I'll set out. I'll go back to my father. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and I've sinned against you. This was a speech he prepared. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Now watch this. He didn't just think about it, but he acted on it. It says he got up. He, he made good on it. He didn't just come up with a plan, but he got up, went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, which is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It means because his father was waiting for him, right? Waiting on the porch saying, I wonder if this is the day that my son's coming back. I believe that God's saying the same thing about you. I believe he's wondering right now, he's waiting on the porch saying, I wonder if this is the day that you're going to allow me to get involved in your heart. I wonder if this is a day you're going to allow me to get involved in those financial pits that you find yourself in. I wonder if this is a day you're going to allow me to get involved in your marriage, in your relationships. God is waiting for you. Some of you need to decide that today is that day that you will be welcomed home because God's waiting for you to come back. When he saw him, he was filled with compassion and he didn't wait for his boy to get to the house even. He couldn't do it. He went out and greeted him. Hey, when you decide to come home, You make that decision, God will meet you. I believe you start to turn and you start to run home, that God is going to meet you in that moment. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm believing some of us need to say those exact words today. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And his dad did what? Come back into the house, wrapped his arms around him, brought him back in, said, hey, my son who is gone is now found. He's come 
home. You need to understand this is God's attitude. This is God's heart for you as well. Now, if you ever find yourself in that situation, how you got into that mess, the progression is always the same. Debt, marriage, relationship, addiction, always the same. Here's the way out. You have to first write it down. Acknowledge where you are. You have to admit, here's where I am. Here's the reality. The the boy found himself in the pig pen, right? He realized this is where I was. Some of us, we are so isolated already. We are so private about money issues. It's a sensitive subject. We don't want people to know that we're in debt up to our eyeballs. We don't want people to know that, you know, we're we're buying things that we, we can't afford with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like, right? That's where we, we find ourselves, we're putting on a, on a facade but can't sleep at night because we're, we're loaded down with debt. We just have to come to that place where we acknowledge this is where I am. This is my position. Here's my reality. Many people I'll talk to will give me 20% of what's really going on. We have to get to that place where we are 100% truthful with where we are. And can I tell you something that's beautiful about God? Something that I realized? God never planned for you to be perfect. He never expected that. God didn't expect for you to get it right 100% of the time, all the time. Like he doesn't, I don't expect my kids to be perfect. But here's what God does expect. He expects the same thing from us that David cried out to God in Psalm 51 after he committed murder, after he committed adultery. He he cried out, God, have have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Blot out my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Then he says this beautiful line that what you desire of me is truth. God wanted truth. He didn't want perfection. He wanted truth. This is how the message says it. I've been out of step with you for a long time. In the wrong since before I was born, what you're after is truth from the inside out. He acknowledged, David acknowledged before God, here I am, I did it, I failed, I messed up. Can I tell you something? There's freedom in acknowledging it. It's freedom in beginning that process of saying, all right, God, this is my reality. Here's where I am. But can I be honest with you? There's another step because that's never enough. I love worshiping with you guys on weekends. I love seeing people make decisions in that moment of receiving Jesus. But can I share my heart with you? It's not enough. You have to put feet to it. I mean, it's great to come to that point where you realize you're desperate and your need for a savior, that God never intended for you to do this on your own, that you can't do it on your own. There's something beautiful about that moment. However, it's not enough. With all due respect, you got to continue now to follow. you got to continue now, and this is what the boy did, to make a plan. Develop a plan. Acknowledge where you are, and then make a plan. The boy had a plan. <laughs> Wasn't necessarily the right plan, right? He just wanted to go back and, and get hired on, at least just get hired on as one of his dad's employees. His dad didn't want him to be an employee. His dad wanted him to be his son, to come back home into the, the family, So he had a plan. And I think part of the church's role is to help you figure out that plan, what those next steps are. Proverbs 27, 12 says, the prudent see danger and take refuge. They got a plan, but the simple, they don't have a plan. The simple suffer 
because of it. So Colby, what's the plan? Well, honestly, on the weekends, man, we want to bring you to that point. We want to point you to Jesus. There's always going to be an opportunity to invite you to, to trust in him for forgiveness of your sins, for salvation. There's going to be that point of admitting our guilt. That's going to be that point of recognizing all that he's done for us. That's going to happen, but it has to go beyond that. And that's why we have groups like Fresh Start. Uh, that's why we have small groups. Fresh Start is for, for new believers. You can jump on any time we have groups meet throughout the city. Different fresh start kinds of classes. That's what Crash Course is about. For those of you that have taken, it's taking another step in your journey. That happens today at 1230. We'll feed you, watch your kids. There's no excuse not to jump in to Crash Course. But there has to be a plan in place. And for your finances, at the beginning of the year, we always bring you an opportunity for Financial Peace University or a financial seminar that we're going to host here on a Saturday. It's just another chance to make a plan. And to see, God, how can I honor you? How can I climb out of where I, I am? And not only do you need to make a plan, here's the third thing, you need to do it now. The boy said, I'm gonna go. Here's my plan. I have my speech prepared. I know what I'm going to do. And then it says he got up and went. You need to take steps toward it now. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of God's salvation. For every single one of us, we have this now moment that we need to capture, that we need to seize. And we, we say all the time, if something's the right thing to do, the right time to do it is right now. When you realize you're stuck in a pit, when you realize you know, you're at that place of no hope and you say, there's no way out for me, and then you understand all that God has done for you, and the opportunities he's given you to get out, you need to, you need to acknowledge where you are, make a plan, and do it. Seize that, that now moment. And then if you do, the final one I want to give you, and then I'm going to have you put your pens down, pencils down, whatever, and just put them in your lap and be still, is that in humility we ask God for help. Because you get to that place where you realize you can't do this on your own. And do you know what humility does? Humility puts you back in the favor of God. That's what humility does. The Bible tells us in, in Peter uh, chapter 5, it says that um, in your pride, let, let's look at it. God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. He opposes, he can't even get involved when there's that pride in our life. Because we think we know better. We think my way is better. We think I'm going to excuse it. I'm not hurting anybody. This is just where I am. God can't even get involved in that. But when you get to the place where you humbly say, God, here's where I am. I acknowledge where I am. I make a plan. And I jump out and do it. And then you humbly, humbly go before God. You allow him to work in it. The Bible says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So therefore we must what? Not a trick question. It's in yellow. Therefore, we must humble ourselves. Humble yourself before, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he's going to lift you out, that there is that, that way out. I'm believing for some of you there's a way out. For all of you, there's a way out. That there is, there's no point of no return. You haven't gone too far in your money. You haven't gone too far in your marriage. You haven't gone too far. I'm believing today for freedom. If we acknowledge where we are, we make a plan. We do it now. We humbly go before God and seek his help. Let's bow our heads right here.
God, where's that seat of pride in our hearts? Where's that seat of pride in our lives? What's keeping us from experiencing your favor in our families, in our marriages, in our finances? What's keeping us from the favor of God? Every single one of us has a blind spot. And when we self-destruct, we often will isolate ourselves. I'm praying, God, that we, we don't do that. We, we push past that. And we reach out and we seek you and we seek others that can help us. If you're here today and you find yourself hopeless or in a desperate situation, maybe you're a Christ follower, maybe you're not. I believe God is giving you this now moment that you need to seize, that you need to grab hold of, that you need to put your trust in him that know that he is always faithful in every thing, in every way, as long as we will humble ourselves. And while we're praying, every head bowed, every eyes closed, every person I've ever met with, a couple that is struggling in their marriage or a couple of the struggling in their finances, whenever they humble themselves and put God first and made him a priority, God has shown them favor and they've been set free. They've been able to get past whatever it was that they were facing. I believe that for you today, if you would just humble yourself in this moment, that God wants to do a miracle maybe in your life, maybe in a marriage, maybe in an addiction that you have, that God wants to get involved. He opposes the proud, but he gets involved with the humble. As we're praying for those of you that came through these doors and you're not a follower of Jesus, I think today is your now moment. I think we need to seize the opportunity that, that we have because it's the same picture, the prodigal son returning to his father that God has for us, that we've all gone our own way. That's what the Bible says, that we've all gone our own way. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the standard that God set before us. But knowing that, that we couldn't earn our way back to him, that we couldn't do anything to come back to him, that God sent Jesus to die for us sent Jesus to bridge the gap between our sin that separated us from God. And the moment he died on the cross and shed his blood for us, it covers our sin past, present, and future. And the way we receive that payment is by crying out, confessing that Jesus is Lord, believing in our hearts that he died for our sin and that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says that in that moment, we're saved. We're set free. The process of your freedom begins right there today. If you'd say, Colby, that's why I'm here. This is what I need. I need to surrender my life. I need to begin this pathway to freedom. And know this is the starting place. You need to receive Jesus. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And again, this, I'm not going to ask, invite you to come forward. I'm not going to invite you to, to stand where you are. But I am going to invite you in just a moment to raise your hand. And not for me but just kind of your response to God, saying, God, today, I'm gonna surrender my life to you. If that's you, would you just raise your hand wherever you are in this room right now? Just hold it up high. Reach out for God. God, I'm in a pit and I can't do this without you. God bless all of you. Amazing, amazing. Put your hands down. Say something like this, Jesus, today, I give up. I'm so done living for myself. I'm so done living for this, this seed that is inside of me of pride that I bought into the lie of the enemy. I bought into the lie that the world is telling me. And I know that it leads nowhere. So I'm coming back to you. I'm coming home to you. God, I pray 
that you would renew me, that you would strengthen me, that you would forgive me for all the ways that I've separated myself from you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for a sacrifice. Thank you for what it means for me experiencing new life. So today I confess Jesus as Lord. Tell him that again, I confess you as Lord and Savior. And from this moment on, I'm gonna follow you the rest of my days in Jesus' name, amen. Come on church, celebrate. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there'll be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to feeling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.